0: everybody. Welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love and I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer and we have uh, another question. I always say that at the beginning. We have another question as if the podcast was not exclusively about asking questions. So it's a good thing we have another question today. And once again, we have a really good listener question from one of our listeners named Linda. Um, and she has a question that I, I know a lot of believers struggle with and I think is a really tough question to answer. So JD, it'll be really good to hear your thoughts. If God draws people to faith, why has God not drawn my lost family?
1: Well, Linda, I want to tell you, I really, really appreciate the question, and um, it is one that I've wrestled with throughout my life. I don't know if I've got the final answer on it, but I want to give you some some things that are important in how you think about this. I actually, uh, Linda's question came in response to a message I preached at the Summit Church in which I talked about some verses that say just what Linda said in her question. You know, John 6, uh, 44, nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Philippians 2, 13 tells us it's God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, which means... It's not just the power to obey that God gives you; it's also the power to desire it. Um, uh, you know, John one twelve tells us that if we receive Jesus, we become children of God. But when that happens, we're being born not of the will of the flesh or of blood or the will of man, but we're being born of the will of God. And it tells us that 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 our our interest in spiritual things is put in us by the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul says it, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, you can't say that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit gives you the power to say that. And so it, it leads you to questions like, well, well, then why hasn't God done that for this person that I love? Or what about 950 million people in India? You know, why, why isn't God putting it in their heart? This is a question that's been around for 2,000 years. And let me just say as we get into it, that this conversation, um, I like to say this conversation has rules. Uh, Think of it like CrossFit, you know, if you're into weightlifting, um, you got to obey the rules. Um, Otherwise, when you try to start lifting heavy weight, you're going to get hurt. And so there's some rules that go into this conversation. And I want you to kind of walk with me through them because I think they'll help you. Um, You know, a lot of this was systematized by a guy named John Calvin. Uh, He lived in the 16th century. The teachings, the truth has been around, you know, since the the Bible was written, but it was John Calvin who kind of, put such clear definitions on it that his name, Calvinism, has become associated with it. And I've always thought it was helpful um, that John Calvin identified his favorite verse as Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's probably not a verse that you know, but it says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. And what it shows you is that there are secret things when it comes to theology and there are revealed things. Revealed things are where you and I live, they belong to us. There are secret things. We are welcome to question about them. We're even welcome to speculate about some of them. But what we're not supposed to do is get hung up thinking that until we figure out the secret things, that there's something wrong. There are revealed things. And so we have to ask, what is revealed about God's desire for people to be saved? Well, the first thing that is revealed is is what we said right at the beginning of of this program, and that is, if you came to Jesus, it's because he drew you. There's simply no way to read the verses of the New Testament and not see that if you came to Jesus... It is because he put that desire in you and he drew you to himself. Um, That is what is revealed. That's where we're supposed to live. But there's another thing that is revealed. Um, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come to repentance. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 4, he desires everyone everywhere to be saved. James 5 tells us that we ought to pray like Elijah. Elijah prayed for for rain to come, and God sent it. Um, the implication is God wouldn't have sent it if Elijah hadn't prayed. And and and, and we're praying for lost people like that, is saying that my prayers are actually making a difference. So when I think about my family member that needs Jesus, I'm thinking about 1 Timothy 2, 4, his desire to save them. I'm thinking about the efficacy of my prayers you kind of get ahead of yourself and you say, well, wait a minute, what about, what about, you know, maybe it's just because God hasn't drawn them. Scripture never lets us think that way. Matthew 23, 37, when Jesus was um, lamenting over Jerusalem, Jerusalem who had rejected him and was about to kill him, about to crucify him. Jesus looked out at, at Jerusalem and he, he spreads out his arms and he says, "Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I wanted to draw you in like a hen gathers her baby chicks. But then he says, but you would not. He didn't say how many times I wanted to bring you to me, but you know, at the end of the day, I didn't sovereignly elect you, and that's why you didn't come. That's not what he said. He always put it on you. So when I pray for my kids, when I pray for people that are lost, I'm always saying, "Lord, you've told me your desire for them to be saved. You've told me that my prayers make a difference. Um, you've told me that you will bless me and my and generations after me. And Lord, I'm bringing those promises. Those are revealed in my mind. I don't see how that and the truth that that for somebody to come to Jesus." God has to draw them. I don't see how those two things can coexist in the same universe, honestly, because it seems like one kind of cancels out the other. But Scripture presents both of them. I, I think of it like railroad tracks. This is not a great analogy, but uh, it's helped me. You know, if you are standing on railroad tracks look, look and you look down at your feet, it's two separate beams. They're both going straight. And as far as you can tell, they'll never touch. But if you look way off in the distance of the railroad tracks, all you can see is one. You know, it's like they've become one. So what if in eternity, there were a lot of things to us that look like they would never touch, never meet, but in God's reality, they do harmonize. That's what we have to do here. We have to, we have to accept that both things are true. People only come to Jesus because God draws them and God desires all people to be saved. Our prayers matter. And if somebody doesn't come, it's because they are the ones that are doing the resisting. And I know some of you, your, your, your minds, your, your engineering or your mathematical, your logical mind is like, no, I need resolution on this. What if that is a secret thing that Calvin was talking about? And he said, don't live, don't get quagmired in the secret things. Stay in the land of the revealed things. Let me use one more analogy that uh, that's helped me over the years. Um, when I was my geometry teacher uh, in the second grade, no, no, I'm kidding, um, ninth grade, I think it was, uh, my geometry teacher. You know, uh, geometry, if you can remember back to that kind of math they flip the question. It used to be that you got a problem. That's the way algebra works. You had a problem and you find the answer. But in geometry, they actually give you the answer and you have to come up with the, the reasoning steps to get there. It's called a proof. And I remember the first couple of times that my teacher assigned me a proof, I went home to work on it and was like, there's no way. There's no way that you, knowing the facts I know, there's no way I can get to this answer here. So I go in the next day, all kind of, you know, irritated, like you gave us something that couldn't be solved, and she would very patiently draw it out on the board. Mrs. Hunter was her name, and she would, you know, and it was always something I forgot, like the transitive property of equality. And I'm like, oh, I forgot the transitive property of equality, and that makes it where I can get to that answer. Eventually, I learned to trust her, that that the answer, there was a way to get there, even if I didn't know all the reasoning steps to it, because I'd forgotten some hidden principle that I just, you know, wasn't, wasn't front of mind. So what if eternity is going to be a little bit like that, where God explains some of the the principles we just weren't aware of? What I know is that when scripture gives me an answer, and that answer is people can only come to Jesus if he draws them. And it also tells me he wants all people to be saved. My prayers make a difference. And if they're resisting, it's because of them. And I can keep praying for them that God overcomes that. Um, I can live in the tension of both of those revealed things even if I don't know how exactly they logically harmonize. And I'm willing to leave that as a secret thing. Um, What I want to emphasize to you, Linda, is you got to play by the rules that scripture uses. When it comes to thinking about your own future, your own salvation, assurance of why you will stay walking with Jesus, assurance that you have God's help, that's where you're supposed to bring those Calvinistic sounding verses in. The reason I know that God's not going to give up on me, the reason I know um, that God will never leave or forsake me is because he that began a good work in me will complete it. And if Jesus chose me, then he's going he's to take me all the way home. Uh, that, that's supposed to bring assurance in my own walk with Jesus. Uh, when it comes to thinking about praying for the lost, I apply the second one of those, and that is he desires all to be saved and that prayer actually matters. In fact, let me say one more thing just to kind of twist this to mess with your mind. Uh, you got to ask questions like, what if God's sovereignty was to put me in the situation and raise the concern in my heart about this person so that I will pray? What if that is actually his sovereignty expressed? I say that because of a um, a story in Exodus 34 where Moses, it actually says that he prays and as a result of his prayers for God to save the children of Israel, God changed his mind, actually uses the word repents. And you read that and you're like, God changed his mind? Like, did Moses say something that, you know, God realized, hey, I was a little over-irritated. I'm sorry about that. Well, well, Exodus 34 goes on to say, God can't change his mind. God is not like a man that he, you know, learns new facts and it changes what he's going to do. Um, when you put that together, what you realize is that God was the one who put Moses in the situation where he could see what was happening with the children of Israel so that he would come to God to bring the request that would, and I put this in air quotes, change his mind on what he was going to do. So in other words, God put Moses in a place to ask the question that would give God the opportunity to do what he wanted to do all along. So what if all these people that are in my life and all these people have questions about, what if the very impulse to pray and to share, what if that is God sovereignly moving in me so that they, um, they can hear and be saved? Prayer is the way that God has ordained. It's the way he's hardwired his work in the universe so that his work only gets done through prayer. So don't sit around asking questions like, well, if I don't pray, does that mean that you know, in his sovereignty, he'll figure out some other way to save them? That, that's breaking the rules. That's illegal thinking. I'll close here with a little statement by a guy named A.A. A. Hodge, a 19th century um, Princeton theologian that I, I love because it just helps set the, the table how you think about this. He, he says, apply this question of sovereignty to another area, and it'll help you think about it. Does God know the day that you'll die? Yes. Has God appointed that day? Yes, he has. Several places in Scripture say that God knows it and has appointed the day of our death. Can anything you do actually manipulate and change God's plan? No. Well, then why do you eat? To live. What happens if you don't eat? You die. Well, if you don't eat and then you die, is that the day that God has preordained for you to die? Answer, stop asking stupid questions and just eat. Eating is the preordained way that God has set for for living. Prayer and sharing the gospel aggressively, going on mission trips, sharing with everybody in your life, that is the way that God has preordained for people to to come to Christ. So to get back to the original question, if people only come to Jesus because the Father draws them, what does that mean for my family members who don't believe? Applying the rules, applying the revealed things, the scriptures we know, what that means is this. Um, You can trust that in answer to your prayers, God is drawing them. You can trust that if they're not coming, Jesus is lamenting it and he's saying what he said to Jerusalem, I'm, I, how many times I've wanted to bring you, but you wouldn't. You can trust that your prayers are actually changing things and that God desires them to be saved and he is going to work on your behalf. That's the revealed thing you apply here. Don't get stuck in the secret things. Those belong to God, John Calvin says. We live in the world of the revealed things.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, JD. Again, a tough, a tough question to answer. It's something I know a lot of people are praying for and some of those. Those thoughts are going to be really encouraging. Next week, we have another good question. What is going to happen in the end times? JD's going to give us that clarity. Wow, I mean, this is exciting. I will definitely be tuning in to hear what is going to happen in the end times. And then if you want more from Pastor JD, as always, jdgreer.com is the best place to find sermons and podcasts and articles and all sorts of other information and content from Pastor JD. So we would love it if you would check that out. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.